We are joined now by Dr. Stephen Hoagley, Associate Professor of Politics and International Relations at the University of Auckland's Faculty of Arts uh, this morning uh, for a closer look at the US election 2020 happening today in the US uh, with polls uh, closing at around uh, 1 p.m. New Zealand time. Uh, Thank you as always for your time this morning, Dr. Stephen. Firstly, can you explain to our listeners why the candidate getting the most votes may not necessarily win the U.S. presidency? Good morning, Brian. Thank you for inviting me. I've commented on 12 presidential elections in my professional career, and uh, this uh, this has been the 13th one, and I'm very happy to be here. Now, uh, it, probably the best way to explain the American system is that it is really 50 different systems Each American state conducts its own elections under its own rules, and they count up the votes in each state, and then they allocate what they call the electoral votes accordingly, a little bit like New Zealand did uh, before MMP, before 1996. Then all of those electoral votes are forwarded to Washington. They're all counted up, and that determines the winner, not the popular vote. So in 2000, And again, in 2016, the popular winner did not win the presidency. Uh, Al Gore uh, won the popular vote by half a million votes. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. But in both cases, uh, uh, George W. Bush and uh, Donald Trump became the president because they accumulated uh, the electoral votes from the key uh, states with lots of population. So it's an anomaly, and uh, a lot of people are beginning to wonder, is this electoral college, as it's called, the electoral college uh, system, uh, really uh, fit for purpose in the 21st century? Is that why when we see uh, both candidates on the campaign trail, Dr. Stephen, that they focus on particular states because, you know, in essence, they uh, have more worth, you know, when we're talking about things like uh, swing states, uh, bellwether states, etc.? Well, that's right, Brian. Uh, the battleground states uh, in this case are Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania in particular. And uh, these are states where the uh, the polling is very close. They've got a lot of electoral votes to give. Cal- uh, Texas, for example, has 38 electoral votes. Whoever gets Texas is going to be uh, shooting ahead. Uh, and it, consequently, that's where the candidates uh, uh, focus most of their attention. If you look at an electoral map, you'll find that the Atlantic Sea Coast and the Pacific Sea Coast are solidly Democratic, and the interior of the United States is pretty much Republican. Uh, so it's those swing states that are on the knife edge where the candidates are focusing their attention. And why are U.S. presidential campaigns so prolonged and expensive compared to other countries, Dr. Stephen? Again, it's a function of size. Uh, The 330 million Americans are fairly affluent by world standards. Not all of them, but um, uh, the average is high. They have money to donate to political parties. Many of them are active in political parties. There's a lot of millionaires, a lot of corporations who raise money for one side or the other. And uh, the uh, campaign itself is preceded by the primaries. So you, you, if you want to be president, uh, first of all, you have to make yourself known to your political party. Then your political party will have a series of primaries. And if you're chosen to be the candidate, then you go up against the candidate of the other political party. 
So this is a prolonged uh, process. It, it takes about a year, uh, and millions upon millions of dollars are spent on advertising, on social media uh, platforms, on, uh, on financing a offices, door knocking, pamphlets, uh, uh, Make America Great, uh, red caps, and badges and all the other paraphernalia that goes into a campaign. So it is mind-boggling to us, particularly um, if you look at the uh, degree of world poverty, uh, how much money is spent on what uh, what a, a hungry person would regard as, as frivolous uh, advertising. Uh, but that's the American way, and we can only stand by and wonder the big issues that uh, divide the two candidates or that they're cam- campaigning on, uh, Dr. Stephen? They could not be more different. Uh, first of all, character. Uh, Joe Biden, a very decent man, and, and not very exciting, but uh, very solid. Donald Trump, mercurial, a showman, a show-off, an egotist. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is campaigning on the economy. He believes that he's led the economy to new heights, and it's only the pandemic that has uh, that has slowed down the United States. Uh, Joe Biden, on the other hand, is focusing on controlling the pandemic first, then recovering the economy. He says you can't have the one without the other. He would go along with Jacinda Ardern and the New Zealand policy: curb the virus, then rebuild the economy on a solid footing. Joe Biden is very keen on uh, uh, curbing uh, emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, very keen on uh, spreading more wealth to the middle classes of, of the United States, whereas Donald Trump more concerned to, uh, to uh, deregulate the economy, to reduce the taxes, particularly those in the higher income tax brackets and the corporations. And in, in foreign policy, Donald Trump very much the, uh, uh, the isolationist, uh, withdrawing the United States from the World Trade Organization and the World Health Organization and otherwise turning inwards, whereas Joe Biden uh, is, is much more the internationalist and he would like the United States to play a more uh, positive, more constructive uh, international role. So they're, 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 the U.S. voters has a very stark choice uh, not only in personality, but also in policy between the two candidates. Polls due to close around 1pm this afternoon, New Zealand time. Uh, Dr. Stephen, your pick and uh, your thoughts on the record numbers of early votes and uh, you know w- w- where you think those early votes are going. Yes, this election has been characterized by an unprecedented number of early votes. This is largely because of the pandemic. People are a little bit afraid of standing in line, so they uh, they do their ballot, an absentee ballot, and uh, drop it in a box. And uh, this, uh, it, 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 the pollsters tell us this favors the Democrats who tend to vote in that way. The Republicans have a different ground game or, or a cult. Uh, a voter flushing uh, system, they're actually knocking on doors. Well, uh, the, the Democrats think that's just spreading the virus, uh, but that's how the Republicans want to do it, face-to-face, door-to-door, and they're going to try to get the voters out today. So we've got the mail-in ballots that might favor the Democrats. We've got the today voters that might favor the Republicans. And it, it, that's what we're going to have to wait and see, which one uh, comes out uh, in the key battleground states or swing states ahead. So at the moment, uh, well, I've got two answers to your question. 
uh, I'm very clear that I would prefer a Biden win. In fact, I was speaking to a public group yesterday and I took a poll. Not a single person of the hundred that were attending raised their hands in favor of Trump. The great uh, majority would prefer Biden. And a small minority said, well, we don't really like either one. Uh, we, we, we would vote to stay home and not vote at all. So that's the other thing we have to look at. Non-vote will determine the outcome of this election. It determined the election of 2016 when uh, many black voters, uh, not too enthusiastic about Hillary Clinton, stayed home. And consequently, Donald Trump squeaked through by a small margin of votes in the key state, in particular in Wisconsin. So we're going to watch uh, to the polls to see if there's a record turnout, then that will favor the Democrats. If there's a constrained turnout, then that will favor the Republicans. My pick at the moment, and this is based on the polls that have been consistently in favor of Joe Biden, and on his, uh, his, his, more, his greater visibility in the last weeks of this campaign, I would pick a, a Biden win. But we may not know because the Trump administration and the Republican Party will be challenging all of the mail-in votes. Any vote that comes in after the closing of polling today at 1 p.m., as you've pointed out, and that uh, many of these state constituencies uh, votes are going to go into the courts. So the judges, as they did in 2000, the judges, the judicial system, is going to make some final decisions about which votes are acceptable and which votes will be thrown out. And that could have, in the key states that are closely divided, a decisive uh, consequence on who wins the presidency. Mm. Uh, finally, Dr. Stephen, consequences of a Trump or Biden win for Indo-Pacific region, New Zealand and the Pacific Island region? Well, uh, Trump, uh, more uh, confusing uh, mixed signals, uh, more antagonism of good friends of the United States, uh, more uh, cozying up to uh, Putin and Kim and other dictators, uh, a, a pretty deplorable record uh, all in all. A Biden presidency will probably return to something that would look like the Obama presidency. It would be uh, internationalist in character. It would be cooperative in tone. Biden is a, a fairly uh, amenable guy. He likes to bring people together. He's not a divider, a fighter like Trump is. And he would uh, patch up relations with Canada, Mexico, the European countries, the Asian countries. And uh, consequently, uh, we would see a more steady foreign policy. Now, one of his uh, ideas is to hold a summit of democracies. He's very big on human rights. And he says, look, the, the democratic countries should get together. They should resist the kind of authoritarianism and the uh, maneuverings of countries like Russia, China, um, Turkey, and other, and Iran, and others who are disruptive and don't follow international rules. And we, we democracy should stick together and resist this kind of undermining of good governance. So that's an innovation that he would like to see. So would it have any impact in the Indo-Pacific region? Probably not a huge impact because it was his administration, that is with Obama as the leader and himself as the vice president, that initiated uh, the rebalance to Asia. That rebalancing is gradually still going ahead under Trump, who hasn't really paid much attention to the Asia-Pacific region, except to pick fights with China. Obama, uh, uh, 
Biden would uh, patch up relations with China as best he can, uh, because uh, uh, trade is mutually beneficial. So I don't anticipate great changes either to the Indo-Pacific region. He has, by the way, not used this phrase Indo-Pacific. He's gone back to the other phrase, uh, the Asia-Pacific. So he may be rejecting some of uh, Donald Trump's uh, more ambitious rhetoric and going back to traditional uh, partners in the Asia-Pacific region, which would include New Zealand. So uh, the Trump administration hasn't paid much attention to New Zealand. That's a blessing. Uh, we haven't endured uh, attacks. Uh, and it, uh, I'm sure that Biden will continue this policy of, of, of a, a partnership with New Zealand. And likewise, in the Pacific Island region, the policy is already set by the current administration to send more assets, more resources, more aid, and also Coast Guard ships into the Pacific Islands for patrols just to show the Chinese they're, they're not, uh, it's not an open door. The Pacific is not a, a target of opportunity for China. Uh, the United States is still there. It's still concerned, still committed particularly to the Micronesian states with which it has a special uh, relationship. Uh, so I don't anticipate big changes there, but it will be mainly tone. The Biden, a Biden presidency will be more amenable, more uh, able to negotiate uh, from positions of mutual respect. And I think uh, I, I would go along with the former prime minister of New Zealand reported today. Uh, he thinks of, on balance, a Biden presidency would be better for New Zealand than four more years of a Trump presidency. Dr. Stephen Hoadley, Associate Professor of Politics and International Relations at the University of Auckland's Faculty of Art. Uh, thank you for your time this morning, and we'll look forward to uh, a post-election uh, commentary uh, next week. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, Dr. Stephen. Cheers. Thank you.